Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Monday, 4th of July. Happy 4th of July to all celebrating today. Uh, it's a busy travel weekend, isn't it, over in the States? All right, let's come back to Asia-Pacific, where markets are trading higher this morning, ahead of interest rate decisions in Australia and Malaysia this week. Tokyo is up 1%. Sydney is doing even better, up 1.7%. Seoul in the green as well. The U.S. markets close this evening for the 4th of July Independence Day holidays. Joining me now as we break down all the action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Morning, Michelle. Let's start this Monday morning with a weekly look at which local companies and directors are buying back their own shares. Overall, institutions were net sellers of Singapore stocks last week, but that did not stop OCBC from buying 1 million shares of itself in the open market. Southeast Asia's second largest bank paid an average price of $11.44 for those shares. That's $0.14, cents, or about 1%, above the stock's current trading price. OCBC stock has taken a hit of late, down nearly 9%. Over the past three months, so Ryan OCBC's share buybacks come against a backdrop of rising interest rates. Just last week, it joined other local banks in raising mortgage rates. While that's not great news for new home buyers, it presumably could be good for OCBC's business. What do you think? Well, it's a bit of a balance of two camps where you have one side rising rates, meaning higher net interest margins. So profit margins when you give out loans or execute loans is going to be fatter. So that's the bright side. But on the flip side is how much people will actually take up in terms of the volume of loans when you have rising interest rates. So a bit of demand destruction at play here and also the outlook for the economy when you've got mortgage rates going up. That's been fueling talk about a recession. You may see some people holding back in terms of purchases. So the number of loans or the quantum of loans even may be smaller. So something to really keep a watch out for to see if the loan demand is going to be as healthy as what I've seen in the past few quarters, at least in terms of um, growth momentum. So that's one for OCBC as well as the other banks to watch out for. But by and large, they are now able to raise their margins. And typically, it's seen as a good thing for banks. And for Singapore's case, we haven't seen the property market go through a slump yet, as I've seen in the US and in many other countries. So for now, it does look quite promising for the banks. Another company on this week's share buyback list, Ryan, is United Hampshire US REIT. It owns some 24 properties along the east coast of the United States and one of its directors apparently thinks this is a good time to invest more in the REIT. Tell us more, Ryan. Okay, so here you've got a bit of insider buying and this is where we've got non-independent and non-executive director David Goss buying 250,000 units of United Hampshire US REIT. This at an average price of 60.9 US cents per unit. Uh, where we are right now for United Hampshire is around 61.5 cents. So that is below the current price. So with that purchase, he takes his direct interest from 0.09% to 0.13%. All right. Let's take a closer look at that. United Hampshire US REITs unit price rose 
2.5% last week, but it is still down 17% over the past year. One more company that caught my eye on today's director's deals list is Challenger Technologies. Now, Challenger is, of course, one of the biggest IT retail brands in town. Its shares haven't been doing so well, though they're down 5% over the past few months. But a recent corporate purchase has increased one of the director's stakes in Challenger. Fill us in, Ryan. Yeah, here we've got uh, Tan Keng Soon or Keith Tan Keng Soon. He is a non-executive and non-independent director buying up more shares, bringing his stake to 15.08% from 15.05%. And that's at an average price of 56 cents. So this is just adding on to his purchases that he's been doing so in the past few years and just giving a vote of confidence to the company. A US property REIT and a local tech chain, pretty different businesses. But in both cases, we see evidence that insiders apparently think their stock offers good value at current levels. What do you think, Ryan? Do you agree? Yeah, there is that case, right? When things are getting cheaper, it does in some cases show value when it comes to long-term holdings. So if you are a long-term investor or if you're an insider, it does you know, present attractive value for you to buy on the cheap or at least relatively cheap. And if you're going to be holding on to it for a long time, at some point it will normalize and go back to um, average levels. And this, I think, is what's playing out with the latest share buybacks. We turn next to global markets, where the big story this morning is a familiar one, albeit one that has been out of the headlines for some time. A major Chinese property developer has failed to pay its debt. And we're not talking about a small amount of debt. I'm talking one billion US dollars. The company in question is the Shimao Group. What do we know? Yeah, it seems like uh, like... Like what you pointed out, it's a familiar story. So if you're writing this news article, you just have to change the names and the numbers and it will be the same story. Another property developer has failed to pay up. And this is to the tune of $1 billion. So Shimao has missed the interest and principal payment of a $1 billion US dollar offshore bond that was due yesterday. So another blow to China's property sector. But as you pointed out, we've seen this coming. It's not the last one, likely, and it was not the first one. So many of them have been defaulting. In fact, three of the top five bond issuers, Evergrande, Kaiser Group, and Sunak, have all already defaulted. So Shimao is just the latest in this series. And I think investors have already braced for this scenario. And what's likely to happen next is they will have to talk shop with Shimao to talk about you know, what are the potential scenarios for them to actually pay up. And quite likely, they will give Shimao time and room to figure something out because it does not look like Shimao will be able to pay up in any sense. And it will be in their best interest to do so at a later date. So they are not going to put pressure on Shimao, uh, as we've seen in the other episodes with the other property developers. And we've also seen from policymakers in China supporting pretty much the economy, saying they will do what they need to do to stabilize all the sectors. And that gives some confidence to these creditors as well that they will get paid down the road. Um, For now, they just have to sit tight. Now, to what extent do you think this is going to rankle the markets, Ryan? Are we going to hear concerns about contagion effects? Could this dampen the recent enthusiasm we've seen for Chinese stocks? 
there could be some knee-jerk responses when it comes to what markets are trading on. And you'd bear in mind, with the current backdrop right now, we don't have a lot to go with uh, in terms of market leads. We are in the middle of uh, all these leading up to the earnings season coming up. So investors will be just trading on headlines these days. Um, so that's the prospects of the potential impact. But in terms of contagion, uh, I'm not expecting much to happen because of all the policy support we've been hearing. Also, developers have been getting a bit creative. Many of them have been trying to prop up sales of their property units by turning to alternative payments. And they've been saying, hey, if if you're a farmer, for example, and you don't have cash, we will take your watermelons or your peaches or your crops. So that's been helping sales to some extent. And I think if you look at the policy promises coming through with the more accommodative settings that the Chinese authorities have been promising, that will go some way as well to support the property sector. So that, I think, is going to help reassure some of the investors watching the property sector. If we zoom out a bit further and you read what analysts are writing about this sector, it seems investors are increasingly worried about a chance of recession and not quite as much anymore about the risks of inflation. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's quite interesting turn or transition of events where we've been talking about inflation, prices being too high, and now the talk is about a potential hard landing where we get a recession and the high prices in some sense just leading to this current phase where companies have to pass on the costs somehow and they can't and it just leads to a spiral of problems. So that is a scenario right now where you've got cost pressures just weighing on companies. So you've got consumers potentially tightening their purse strings and that just feeds into itself. If consumers don't spend, businesses won't make money and they can't raise wages and those people earning wages can't spend. So it's going to be something for policymakers to watch very closely to see how they can provide any targeted support to just keep the momentum going in terms of the recovery. So that is also something to bear in mind as we see some of the um, revised predictions or forecasts coming through from the likes of JP Morgan. Uh, They have adjusted their GDP forecasts for second quarter for the US to just 0.3% in the second quarter. That's down from 2%. And another forecast indicator is the Federal Reserve's Bank of Atlanta's GDP now estimate is expecting GDP in the second quarter to decline 1% from an earlier forecast of a rise of 0.3%. So that reflects the change in sentiment and expectations and businesses will be watching these forecasts very closely uh, as they figure out their budgets and also the potential pay increases to give out. So that is um, something to Um, chew on if you're trying to figure out where markets go from here. Yeah, let's do that. What else is on the calendar for investors this week, Ryan? All right. I think the big data point is going to be around the US non-farm payrolls. And that will come through sometime on Friday night. And that will give an indication of where the US economy is going. We're talking about a recession and the jobs market will be one of the big indicators. But by and large, it has been quite resilient and we are expecting it to stay that way. So any downside surprises will be negative for the markets. Also, later this week, the FOMC minutes will be something investors will be combing through with a fine-tooth comb um, in terms of where hints are going to be for policy settings in the coming months. Uh, In the next meeting, Mid-July, we are expecting 75 basis points 
maybe 50. And then these meetings will be looked at more closely for indications of what's to come in the next subsequent meetings. And talking about central banks, the RBA will be in action tomorrow. By and large, consensus forecast is for a 50-point rate hike. So that is going to help it keep pace with the FOMC Mm. and also help address some of those rising costs it's been facing. Let's turn to the world of crypto now. It's been a brutal week. Bitcoin trading below 20,000 US dollars. Ethereum only a bit above 1,000. More than that, though, a major crypto broker, Voyager Digital, has suspended all trading, all deposits and withdrawals. It's definitely not something you want to hear if you're using an exchange platform. So why exactly did Voyager have to take this action? Yeah, imagine if you're, you know, got money in the bank and you can't take out money. That's pretty much what's happening here with the crypto brokerage uh, Voyager Digital. So they've paused all trading, all deposits, all withdrawals, all loyalty rewards. You can't do anything. And they say it's in the best interest of all parties because they want to buy time to figure out how to get out of the mess. So exploring strategic alternatives uh, with various interested parties. So bear in mind, nothing concrete yet. They are still trying to figure things out. Um, they are also trying to get more information or give information at a more appropriate time down the road. So they are still trying to figure things out. So it's a reflection of how bad the crypto market has been hit. Um, many of them being hit by margin calls and defaults across the sector. And that's put a lot of stress on Voyager. So that's seen a lot of people you know, trying to withdraw the assets. And for Voyager, That is going to be bad news because without those assets, they can't run the business properly. Uh, They don't have the cash flow. They don't have the collateral. So that just weighs on the other parts of the business. And now you've got Voyager customers just probably under a lot of stress right now. So that's going to see Voyager trying to get back money from some of their customers as well. So it's a very stressful time for the crypto industry. Yeah, and a prominent customer that has failed to make payment to Voyager is Three Arrows Capital. So that's a crypto hedge fund. It defaulted on a loan worth more than $670 million. So to some extent, I mean, this is also about contagion effects. Challenges for some, though, are opportunities for others. And the crypto billionaire Sam Bankman-Fried definitely sees some opportunity. He's co-founder of the crypto exchange FTX. And he's just thrown his weight behind a major digital asset lender called BlockFi. Tell us more. Yeah, like you pointed out, um, you've got creditors of these crypto companies. And to some extent, it's been quite opaque. You don't know who's borrowed from who. And I think in the coming days and months, you might see more details to see who's been the most exposed. But it looks like Sam Bankman fried one of the co-founders of the crypto exchange FTX US, is bold enough to dip his toes in the water to pick up some what he believes to be bargains. And these are in the crypto mining industry. So... Some of the top mining companies have seen their share prices plunge by more than 75% in line with Bitcoin's prices. So he's seeing that as a potential buying on a dips opportunity. Just buy them on a chip and in time to come, he believes they will bounce back to previous levels. So that is, is his play here. And he's also seeing some potential opportunities with how some of these miners collateralize their mining rigs for more cash. So if um, there is an opportunity, he might actually buy out some of these companies as well for those assets. Time for more corporate news. It's Monday and therefore time for up or down. Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. Let's start with Meta. 
okay, matters going to be down for me. These days, tech companies is really tough um, yeah. to run a tech company. It's pretty much down these days. So mm. it's off the back of a memo we, we talked about last week. This week, Mark Zuckerberg has another chilling message for his employees. He's describing it as the worst downturn we've seen in history when he's talking to his employees and he's talking about how this will mean the company needs to scale back on hiring and allocation of resources. So it's a very dire warning of what's to come that the good times may be over for now. He has to cut back and that is a bit of a alarm bell when it comes to potential job cuts or even scaling back of some of the divisions. Mm. So it is going to be nervous times for Facebook employees. Definitely down for me as well. On the back of that warning for tough times ahead from Mark Zuckerberg himself, saying he may trim the social media giant's workforce. Zuckerberg says Meta faces, quote, one of the worst downturns that we've seen in recent history. Ominous words. Let's look at Tesla. Tesla? It's a down for me. So this is also down. So I'm looking at headlines like deliveries are falling Mm. with the temporary closure of a Chinese factory. So weeks-long closure of its Chinese Chinese factory. So that's definitely going to have an impact on deliveries. Down for me as well, for slightly different reason, Germany has told Tesla to recall two models. Nearly 60,000 vehicles are affected. Effect, uh, the problem apparently has to do with the car's emergency systems. So down for me for Tesla. Let's look at Netflix. All right, Netflix is going to be a down for me. So it looks like more people are starting to question its business model, whether if it is changing fast enough and whether it can continue its growth trajectory with all the competition out there. So I would say Netflix down. Down for me as well. Netflix released the season finale of season four, Stranger Things. That should be an up, except Netflix's network crashed. It went down briefly on Friday, overwhelmed by viewer demand. So I don't know if that's good or bad for Netflix. On the one hand, it shows people are still keen on its uh, offerings. Yeah, so it should have done more to expect the crowd. It's not the first Strangers <laughs> Things. Are you a fan? No. <laughs> Neither. I could never get into it. All right, let's look at creative technology. So creative technology is uh, down for me as well. So all things tech these days are down seemingly. Yeah. It's expecting its revenue to be under its target. And this is for its second half sales for FY 2022. So... Looking like the retail spending scene, not so super for the likes of tech. Yeah, so it's uh, four straight downs for up or down today. Meta, Tesla, Netflix and Creative Technology. So Creative Technology has issued a profit warning for the second half of the year. We'll keep an eye on that. Next, Ryan, are you a fan of the Minions? What does your daughter think of Gru? (laughs) Like many kids, uh, the Minions are a huge hit. And I think it's just a matter of time before she bugs me to catch the um, latest show at the cinema. Oh, so she's seen it and she's a fan. Fantastic. Uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru, the fifth film in the Despicable Me franchise, hits global uh, box offices over the weekend. And it's on pace to be the biggest 4th of July debut ever in North America. So is this a sign that families are finally shelving concerns about COVID and really ready to head to the movies together again? Well, I say that is certainly one important reason. And I think we've seen the likes of Top Gun, the likes of Jurassic Park 
just catering to a slightly different audience. So maybe, mm. you know, you've got something finally for a wider family audience and that's bringing in the crowds. The Minions are owned and produced by Universal Studios and Illumination. Universal is owned by Comcast and Comcast shares rose a bit last week, almost up 2%, but they're still in the red for the year, down 20% since January, more than 30% over the past 12 months. So Minions are not, they still have a ways to go. Let's turn to Singapore now. The Straits Times Index fell once again below the support level at 3,100 on Friday. The Blue Chip Index finished in the red for the week, down half a percent at 30.95. How's the STI trading this Monday morning, Ryan? Yeah, the STI off the back of a three-day losing streak. And right now, looking at the Straits Times Index, it's come back up again, 0.6% in the green 3,113. So pretty much in line with the rest of the region so far this morning. And looking at the 30 constituents, pretty much split across the middle. At the top, you've got the banks. UOB up 1.6%. DBS up 1.3%. And let's take a look at where we are for OCBC. It's also above water by 0.5%. So the headlines around banks raising interest rates seems to be doing some good for their share prices. Okay, so if you look at what we have at the bottom of the table, Capital DC REIT at the bottom down 1%. Confidelgro not too far behind, down 0.7%, followed by Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding down 0.5%. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.